The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I am your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a very thought-provoking subject to cover today, but first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform in which you're listening to us upon. We have many social media platforms with lots of material that you can listen to and read. You can first check us out on our fan page on Facebook when you type in at Mighty Fortress 313. You can also visit our website at OurMightyFortress.com. That's where a lot of our media is hosted, where articles and videos and even a link to our merch store to support the work is, is at. If you do feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, Feel free to do so through the website and the established PayPal link. If we have helped you in some way as well, feel free to tell us at OurMightyFortress at gmail.com. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I want to talk about the Madman. Who is the Madman, you may ask? Well, there are several types of Madmen and each is distinct. To be a madman is that you're crazy or lunatic. We don't really use that term much anymore because we use mad to describe someone who is angry. It is interesting to see God's perspective on who he thinks are the madmen of this world. We're going to take a look at that. We're also going to see who the madmen of this world are call madmen and that gets to be kind of funny i want to take a look at a few types of these people that are defined in the bible and through that help paint a picture of how god sees these certain groups there are three types of madmen that i want to definitely zero in on because they sweep our society and as we analyze each of them you have to decide which one fits you. With that introduction, let's get right into this. The first kind of madman that I want to examine is the carnal madman. And the carnal and unsaved madman doubts that the God of the heavens exists. Atheists and skeptics are thorns in the side of any Christian who professes to believe in God. They are the madmen. In our modern Western culture, 
They seem to think that they have defeated Christianity and the almighty God of the Bible. Atheists today just claim to think that they have buried and done away with God in the name of philosophy and science. There was a famous atheistic philosopher in the late 1800s named Friedrich Nietzsche who made a significant impact on philosophy after he died. He first claimed that, quote, the exemplary human being must craft his or her own identity through self-realization and do so without relying on anything transcending this life, such as God or a soul, end quote. Now you're going to notice that this is the same lie that was told in the Garden of Eden, that God was holding out on you and you too can become like God. It seems to be that the same arguments of the devil are just being rehashed over and over again. I find that fascinating. Ironically enough, Nietzsche would eventually die a miserable death after being diagnosed with insanity <laughs> because his brain slowly degraded due to strokes. It's funny because one of his most famous works before he literally became insane was called The Madman. I want to read this work and it'll give you a glimpse into not only the culture of that day, but the mind of a man who despised God. It starts, quote, Have you not heard of that madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours? ran into the marketplace and cried incessantly, I seek God, I seek God. As many of those who did not believe in God were standing around just then, he provoked much laughter. Has he got lost? asked one. Did he lose his way like a child? asked another. Or is he hiding? Is he afraid of us? Has he gone on a voyage, immigrated? Thus they yelled and laughed. The madman jumped in their midst and pierced him with his eyes. Whither is God, he cried, I will tell you, we have killed him, you and I. All of us are his murderers. But how do we do this? How could we drink up the sea? Who gave us the sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What were we doing when we unchained this earth from its sun? Whither was it moving now? Whither are we moving? Away from all suns? Are we not plunging continually? Backward, sideward, forward, in all directions? Is there still any up or down? Are we not straying as though through an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is not night continually closing in on us? Do we not need a light uh, lanterns in the morning? Do we hear nothing as yet of the noise of the grave diggers who are burying God? Do we smell nothing as yet of the divine decomposition? God's too decomposed. God is dead. God remains dead. And we have killed him. But how shall we comfort ourselves, the murderer of all murderers? What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe this blood off us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement? What sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of, a, of this deed too great for us? 
we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it there has never been a greater deed and whoever is born after us for the sake of this deed will he belong to a higher history than all history hitherto here the madman fell silent and looked again at his listeners and they too were silent and stared at him in astonishment he at last threw down his lantern on the ground and it broke into pieces and went out i have come too early he said my time is not yet this tremendous event is still on its way still wandering it has not yet reached the ears of men lightning and thunder require time the light of stars require time deeds though done still require time to be seen and heard this deed is still more distant from them that are most distant stars and yet they have done it themselves it has been related further that on the same day the madman forced his way into several churches and struck up his requiem aeternum deo or eternal rest to god let out and called to his account he is said always to have replied nothing but what after all are these churches now if they're not the tombs and sepulchres of god End quote. that was frederick nietzsche's the madman we have to remember that in the time that Nietzsche was writing this, we did have a decomposition of Christianity taking place in Europe. This is in the late 1800s, and there was a lot that had transpired from the German rationalism coming out of the universities of Germany, and then you had the rise of evolution, and then the other atheistic philosophers and their writings during this time. So you had the previously so-called Christian Europe dying that slow uh, death. This was the environment in which Friedrich, uh, Nietzsche had lived in. The general atheist thinks that there is this slow decay of Christianity overall, even within the general Western world. And that carnal atheist believes that he has killed God. The atheist believes that man can go on without an absolute God. Unbelieving philosophers have been trying to make do without a deity for a very long time. They are madmen. The philosophy of non-absolutes is what's taught in our universities today, but it's not something new. It's actually a very old philosophy going well back to Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, around 300 BC. Aristotle lived at the pinnacle of Greek philosophy and the Greek gods. He was a disciple of Plato, and he definitely differed from Plato, claiming that one doesn't have to have any type of god to claim an absolute authority. He claimed that one only has to look around to the natural world and the individual himself. He basically claimed that humanity makes the rules according to nature and not some god. This idea, of course, uh, was revived during the Renaissance of 1510 by the famous artist Raphael when he painted the picture The School of Athens. In this picture was many Greek heroes and philosophers in the midst of this huge courtyard. In the middle, zeroing in and really focusing in was 
walking side by side Plato and Aristotle. Plato had his finger pointing upward, representing an absolute God figure, while Aristotle had his fingers spread and pointed outward and down, representing the particulars of nature itself. Now, it's interesting to note that Plato acknowledged that there has to be an absolute deity. Plato understood that regardless of the kind of particulars one talks about, if there are no absolutes or universals, then the particulars have no meaning. This essentially means that if there is no God, then people in life itself have no meaning. That being said, Plato wasn't advocating for a single deity, and nor did he believe in the Christian God, obviously. He was only making the point that you cannot objectively know something without an absolute starting point. The carnal madman's idea has been the battleground across our nation today. Secular universities have taught the students this very philosophy, and one by one, a nation doesn't acknowledge a creator began to emerge. The university system pumps out madmen every graduation. And even if one doesn't graduate, they sit in these godless classes and they become insane. They become madmen. Well, if there are no absolutes, then there are no ways to judge what is right and wrong. Now, it's a false statement that atheists prop up saying, that they know a right and wrong because they forget that living in the United States specifically in the general Western culture, it's built upon Christianity and the Bible. If they were living in the Middle East or in various parts of Africa or even South America, they would have a different view as to what was moral. When you look back through history, you start to see different cultures had different ways of looking at what was right and what was wrong. And it was the emergence of Christianity that brought the Western ideas and the Bible and God's morality all the way across the British Empire. That's how we saw a lot of Christianity spread. So these madmen can't claim that they know good and evil. The carnal madman will say that the individual is his own God. This philosophy, like I said previously, is nothing new because it goes way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan tempted Eve with the idea that they too can become like God. It's real interesting that this idea has perpetuated throughout history from civilization to civilization, from culture to culture, empire to empire, that same idea that man can become like God is there. We talked about the Renaissance time period. There was another painter named Michelangelo. He was famous for his paintings and, and sculpting. He expressed the view of man being his own God through his work. He was very subtle about it, though, because to say that or express it openly could actually get you killed by the Catholic Church in those days. He would paint scenery of Christ or some type of religious setting, but he would leave certain images in, in that painting or sculpture that would tell of humanism. It's pretty fascinating to take a look at sometime if you look at some of his work 
and then maybe read a, a review or a guide to help guide you through it and the idea behind it. And you start to see that, wait a minute, he definitely didn't believe in God. Michelangelo sculpted men halfway in rock, halfway out of rock, as if they're breaking out. This was to say that a person can break free of religion and become his own man, his own God. We really see the fruit of such vain philosophy of the carnal madman today with the emergence of moral relativism everywhere in our culture. We see it with the homosexual movement spreading across the land, just perverting what is a man or what is a woman or what is sexuality, what is marriage even. If there is no good or evil, in, as they say, then anything goes. And technically, that makes sense. Even though if you really pin them down on it, they really do believe in morals or absolutes. In the scriptures, the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. The carnal madman in America attacks the ideas of a moral God when he went after legalizing alcohol after the prohibition of the 1920s and then perverted music with the emergence of swing in the 30s and rock and roll in the 50s. He went after prayer in the schools in 1963 and promiscuity through the 60s and 70s. He went after families with television and pornography in the 70s and 80s. The carnal madman went after women and along with everything above has transformed our culture into a hedonistic or pursuit of pleasure. And an immoral culture has developed. Who would have ever thought that in today's world we're having discussions on what is a boy, what is a girl, is it biology? What kind of silly questions are taking place today? But they are. With pornography and the homosexual movement today, it's being, if you speak out against it, it it's hate speech for saying anything. And it's really put Christianity in America on the brink of destruction. By claiming that there are no absolutes, the carnal madman has systematically tried to remove God from our culture. This has become a two-edged sword for the carnal madman. Because if anything goes, then what are the laws of a country then? Why not live in anarchy? Of course, they don't want that. They just want civilization without God. Another unbelieving philosopher named Jean-Paul Sartre, he was also a hedonist as well, he recognized this particular problem with his own philosophy. His concept was that a finite point is absurd if it has no infinite reference point. This concept is most easily understood in the area of morals, like we said. If there is no absolute moral standard, then one cannot say in a final sense that anything is right or wrong. By absolute, we mean that which is always applies and provide a final or ultimate standard. There must be an absolute if there are to be morals. And there must be an absolute if there to be real values. And he said, quote, If there is no absolute beyond man's ideas, then there is no final appeal to judge between individuals and groups whose moral judgments conflict. 
we are merely left with conflicting opinions, end quote. This is recognized by the carnal madmen now, and they're flocking to find a defense on this topic. And they just say that, well, morality is evolutionary, and we just kind of evolve to know what is good or, or bad. Well, that's still foolish. The Christian philosopher Francis Schaeffer said this, quote, As the Christian consensus dies, there are not many sociological, sociological alternatives. One possibility is hedonism, in which every man does his own thing. Trying to build a society on hedonism leads to chaos. One man can live on a desert island and do as he wishes within the limits of the form of the universe, but as soon as two men live on the island, if they are to live in peace, they cannot both do as they simply please. End quote. Now we've looked at one of the madmen. Let's go to the second one. Let's take a look at the cultist madman. The scriptures actually has this spelled out in the book of Hosea, chapter 9, starting in verse 5. Quote, For lo, they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up. Memphis shall bury them. The pleasant places for their silver. Nettles shall possess them. Thorns shall be in their tabernacles. The day of visitation are come, the days of recompense are come, Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool, and the spiritual man is mad. For the multitude of thine iniquity, and the great hatred, end quote. The cultist madman is the false prophet. That's what Hosea is talking about. See, the false prophet claims to be spiritual. He claims to speak for God, but he doesn't. They teach and live anything and everything outside the word of God. We see these types of people all throughout history, all with false gods all around the world in various cultures. The cultist madman emerged even within Christianity itself. And we're told about this throughout the New Testament. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, Jesus is speaking warning us, saying, quote, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 says, quote, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. We were warned, that men and women would come in teaching a different Christ that would not be in the scriptures. They were described by John the Apostle as Antichrist. The cultist madman states that no matter what religion you're a part of, you can reach the God of the universe. All paths lead to the same God, they say. The word of God is perverted in their hands. And they'll say, oh, well... The God of the Bible is a God of love. Well, the one true and living God does have the characteristic of love. But that is not his only characteristic, nor is it his most important. The most important character trait of God is holiness. The particular type of God that's presented as the Christian God by the cultist madman is not the real God. They'll say, 
well, there is no hell, no judgment, no condemnation of the sinner. The cultist man-man says that there may be a God out there somewhere in the universe, but it's not the God of the Bible, not that mean Old Testament type of God, just, just the love. <laughs> they attack scripture claiming that it, it itself cannot be trusted. The cultist madman will pretend to have higher revelations and superior wisdom than that which is written in scriptures. They will commend themselves and glory in their appearance. We have many cultist madmen that claim to be spiritual today. They're all over the television and radio waves. You have the Pope at the Vatican. You have Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Even some of the TV evangelists, Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Rick Warren, and even George Meyer. All cultist madmen. There can even be cultist madmen, even amongst Bible believers. The wolves in sheep clothing amongst our flocks. Vanity can creep in and corrupt your relationship with God. Idolatry is the favorite of the cultist madmen. One becomes an idolater very easy by putting anything before God. You too can believe foolish things. You too can be led astray by the cultist madman. There was so much confusion in the church today because of these type of people. It actually feeds on the non-absolute philosophy of the carnal madman. In the book of Hosea, God states to the nation of Israel who had already given in to such vain cultist madmen, and the God of the Bible said that judgment is coming. Jehovah says that he will look at those false prophets as fools and those so-called spiritual men as mad. Jesus condemned even the religious practices of the Pharisees in his day because they were hypocrites. He openly condemned the outward appearance of being religious, but secretly having a corrupt and defiled heart. How easy it is to become that cultist madman when we follow after our own lusts. We not only see the carnal madman around us and the cultist madman, but maybe you are the third kind of madman today. Let's take a look at that. The Christian madman. What are you talking about? Seems like the first two were really, really bad. Yes, they are. Let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 26, and verse 24. It says, quote, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness, end quote. The Apostle Paul in this passage is standing before Festus and King Agrippa trying to make his case to go and see Caesar. Paul had already given his testimony to Festus days before this and, and this particular time. Festus, who was standing near King Agrippa, and after hearing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, calls Paul a madman. Think of that. He told the prophet of God, an apostle, that he was a madman. A once famous preacher said, quote, In every generation, when selfishness and skepticism abounds, 
men of deep convictions and unwearied zeal for god have been regarded as fanatics and madmen but what appears as insanity to some are words of truth to others and quote john the baptist was considered a madman for preaching the messiah had come he was considered a madman when he pronounced before herod himself about the king's adulterous sin this would ultimately lead to his death elisha in the old testament was thought to be a madman in second kings chapter 9 and verse 11. the christian madman is supposed to study to show themselves approved unto god but even if he attains the highest degree of what a university can offer he will still be called a madman for believing in jehovah god even if he knows all of the scriptures and memorize the entire bible he will be called a madman for believing in god they will say that the christian madman is unreasonable and is too harsh and judgmental it's because of the great hatred against god because the carnal and the cultist madmen are enmity with god when the world lashes out at the prophet they're lashing out against god himself the christian madman will be persecuted great men and women of god throughout history have already given their lives for the glory of god prophets of god in the old testament were slain or imprisoned throughout scriptures second chronicles chapter 24 and verse 20 says quote, and the spirit of god came upon zechariah the son of jehoiada the priest which stood above the people and said unto them thus saith god why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king and the court of the house of the Lord. In Second Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 10, you have the story here where King Asa imprisoned a prophet that God sent. Jeremiah the prophet was beaten and imprisoned. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel all suffered persecution. In the New Testament, we see John the Baptist, Stephen, James getting executed right away. All of the New Testament apostles were persecuted and many were killed. Many thousands of saints would be martyred for the faith through the centuries. A pretty renowned story of a bold Christian was found in William Tyndale in the 1500s. He was one of those Christian madmen who translated the Bible into English for the common man. At this time, you have to understand, the Catholic Church had made it quite illegal to do such a thing. When he was debating with a Catholic priest about this, the priest said, We had better be without God's laws than the Pope's. Tyndale, rising within the nation, said, I defy the Pope and all his laws, and if God spare me, I will one day make the boy that drives the plow in England to know more of the scriptures than the Pope himself. End quote. He would eventually be captured and martyred for the faith. He stood up against the evils of the Catholic Church of that time, which is something that got you killed. Unfortunately, there are many who refuse to stand firm today for the cause of Christ. And the world doesn't really think them strange. Rather, they think them as one of them. They don't want to be set apart or peculiar unto God. Maybe that's you today. How much of the world 
affects your daily life and actions. Do you stand out as a Christian? Hmm. We constantly have to put the flesh in check because there is a battle going on all of the time between the flesh and the spirit. As Christians, we may be looked at as madmen, but we should never compromise the truth. We should never soften the gospel. If you preach the gospel, you will be thought to be strange, and you will be as Paul was thought of as a madman. But you cannot walk with one foot in the world and one foot with God. The book of James chapter 1 and verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If people were to look at you, would they be able to identify you as one of them? Or would they think you peculiar? Now being peculiar doesn't mean you're foaming at the mouth walking around. But being a Christian, living the way that God expects you to live, would make you set uh, be set apart from the world. The carnal madman might have thought that they have killed God. They think he's dead and buried. Maybe when they look or talk to you, maybe, they, maybe they're right. Do you fit that description? The preachers hear them being called crazy all the time. People will call you crazy. They'll think you ignorant. They'll think you superstitious. Don't worry because you're not alone. Many before you and I have stood firm. I want you to think about the last time that you have been called a madman for preaching or believing in Jesus Christ. If that hasn't happened in a while, you might not be reaching people the way that you should. Maybe standing out. The world will think you strange for believing in God, but that's alright. We follow after Christ anyways. What are you doing to reach these other carnal and cultist madmen? I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Please take a look at our website at ourmightyfortress.com and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content and remember to find your refuge and strength in our mighty fortress.